Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy. If there was an asteroid headed towards Earth, it's going to land in, in like two weeks. If you went in the Republican caucus and you said, what do you want to do? Well, we need a tax break for the wealthy. That's going to help. I, I'm, I'm only barely exaggerating. He's back, Gibbs, our old buddy. He's, uh, he sounds he, like he's uh, having a, a little bit of fun out there. No, he's doing his stand-up routine there. Listen to those cadences. I, you know, look, he's doing an admirable job out there. There is an asteroid coming, though, and it's it's a billion tons, and it's got a Republican elephant riding it. That's the uh, <laughs> that's what he's up against. We're going to talk about that Charming today. visual. <laughs> that is the question. And we're going to sprinkle a little Obama throughout, uh, but uh, just uh, on, on the point, um, yeah, he's doing he's doing a great out there and ex-presidents tend to have more leeway to do that they're they're not the incumbents they're not being blamed but it is notable that there aren't that many headliners out there who can do that that's a problem you know for democrats i think they need they need someone to make the case yeah no doubt and i think he's done it in a way that that draws a good sharp contrast and to your point axe i think as a surrogate, you can go out there. I mean, we all know what Obama would do if he was if he was on a ballot. He'd spend six minutes telling you how we got into this economic mess, um, you know, which which we would be in the back kind of grinning about. But I think you're able to not only have a lot of fun, draw a pretty sharp contrast, get the crowd uh, excited, and suck up a big news cycle in an important state. And and to your point, he's in Michigan, he's in Wisconsin. Uh, he's going to Pennsylvania, Nevada, Arizona, right. Pennsylvania, all, yeah. all the states that you need someone to get people excited about. But to your point, they're just uh, they're not a lot of those. Well, I've got to ask you guys though b- before we uh, we we keep going. Big picture, does it mean anything? It will be well. That's a good question. Of anywhere, or was it just a nice day with Obama? <laughs> I, I don't know the answer to that. I do think that. I do think that he has the ability to do a few things. He does speak to younger voters still. He does speak to uh, minority voters. And he, he is the one uh, major Democratic figure who is uh, right side up in his standing with independent voters, uh, particularly these suburban independent voters who are going to be important in this election. Will, you know, I think it makes a marginal difference, but these are marginal races. So if they are indeed marginal, you know, but Murphy, your point at the beginning was the right one, which is, you know, and we've talked about this uh, for months now, but there are laws of nature in politics. There are gravitational forces. And those, you know, those are all working in favor of the Republicans. And so can can he go out there with one performance and change that? I don't know. It depends. Yeah, I'll slide my blooms across the table and, and, and take the short side of that one. I, I don't, I mean, they get a good news cycle out of it. It's worth doing by all means. He's the best they've got since Clinton's off the field now. But it's not going to be enough. I mean, we've had this kind of discussion of the two theories for a year, and I think the seduction of every midterm is this time it's different. And the different stuff this year is big. The row thing is big. And there's evidence it did turn out some young voters. That could be a big deal. But fundamentally, you take the off-year blues that I don't care what party your president is in, plus inflation, which has yeah. a lot of politicians on its trophy wall. You combine those two. You know, I'm I'm old school, so I'm I'm gonna bet history here, which I think, you know, all the little tactical tricks or or the endorsements of the one or two popular Dems that are left, not enough. Yeah. 
No, I, I, I listen. I don't know. Maybe Gibbs, you want to put up an argument. I'm not putting up an argument. Um, I just think it's fun. You know, I think it's fun to have great political actors out there. And you, Murphy, of all people, should uh, should um, appreciate good stand up. Oh, look, I so. he's got an act. I love the kid. Never cut the funny. I tell you, I book <laughs> him everywhere. If I'm going to double down on anything on the asteroid thing, I think that gravitational pull feels like the Death Star, Murphy. Uh, maybe not the thousand-pound asteroid with the red elephant on it, but no, I think there's. I mean, we 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 hit a point. There was a lot of interesting evidence, you know, special elections and things like that that seemed like this one could be a little bit more counterintuitive. And I agree with you. This one will be different in the sense that the bigger stuff is a lot bigger. But I think we have reverted to the norm, and there's a reason why the norm is the norm. Well, all, all I'm going to say, let me just address this Death Star smear, uh, because as I told many a young kid in a cute Jedi costume last night on my as I was handing out candy, uh, you know, the galaxy needs order. Let me just, let me. nobody ever makes that case. But if you ever go, I mean, which planet would you rather live on? The sand planet with worms the size of the, the Lusitania coming out or the nice clean empire, nice furniture? Everybody sounds like they came from the Royal Dramatic Academy of Arts. I mean, you know, both sides, both sides. I, lo- I love <laughs> the fact that you're giving out candy that's so unlike you as a conservative you know giving out stuff well i was handing out copies of the road to serfdom but i ran out at 100 we have a very popular neighborhood darth vader was giving out candy that's a a new thing that's how we sign them up young let i do want to play this clip of of obama in wisconsin uh for mandela barnes versus ron johnson because he framed uh, the argument in a way that i think democrats should have done or should be doing more of uh, in this campaign. Some of them said, they'll impeach Joe Biden. When you ask them what for, they're not sure yet. <laughs> You're laughing, but it's true. They're all like, well, I don't know. We're, we, we're kind of, we're trying to figure it out. Now, here's the question. How is that going to help you and your family if that's all they're spending their time doing? How's that going to help Michigan compete? Or do you stand a better chance with President Biden and Democratic leaders who've worked together, sometimes with Republicans, to pass an infrastructure bill that will create new jobs? Who've made health care and prescription drugs more affordable? Who made the single largest investment ever to fight climate change? That's the choice in this election between politicians who seem willing to do anything to get power and leaders like Gretchen who share our values. That was a clip for Gretchen Whitmer. I misspoke earlier. Uh, But uh, the point is, you know, we've been talking about this for a long time as well. I mean, I don't know that it's a winning argument, but the true argument and the one that should be being made is these guys are off on some ideological jag, you know, impeachment and elections and and abortion. And none of that has to do with the things that you're experiencing in your day-to-day life. And that extremism is, is problematical. I mean, that's the argument that I, I think should have been made could you know consistently you because the whole he, thing here and what he's trying to do what democrats have been trying to do is to resist the historical uh tide that you talk about murphy which is to make uh the election a choice rather than a referendum yeah and they they had to engage on middle class economics because the problem is the republican comment can pop up after after that and say hey what were you paying for gas when we were in power what was the, what are your groceries cost? Inflation. So the here and now stuff, that anger is all cutting Republican. And the Dems always gravitate, and even there's a little bit of this to Obama, because it works within the Democratic tribe, which may not be enough this year, which is, God, aren't isn't the other side crazy? Now, the problem is the other side is kind of crazy, but it, right. it sounds like politics. Don't they stink? Aren't we great? Let's all hold hands and yeah. virtue signal here. That doesn't solve the problem that groceries cost a third more than they did a year ago when those crazy Republicans were in charge. And that's hard to beat. But what he's trying to set up is, do you think this crowd 
is going to solve that problem. That Marjorie Taylor Greene and that group, you know, she out there, she's not out there talking about inflation. She's talking crazy stuff. And she's sitting next to Kevin McCarthy when he hands out his palm card for the election. I think, you know, I agree with you, Mike. It's a, it's, it's a, it is a tough road to hope, but it's a true one. Yeah, it's just tough, I think, to Murphy's point, to make the argument of if if these guys get into power, here are the things they'll end up doing versus, hey, bread was really expensive in aisle four. You know, I, I just think there's the here and now versus the the potential that's that's on the horizon. I don't disagree. I, I just think there's I, I, I think particularly minus the idea that that Republicans would roll out something that was genuinely concrete around their policy choices. I, I think it's hard to sort of throw some of this stuff into the mix and have it equate or be bigger than what's in the here and now. I think you'll hear, you know, you, there's a clip of Obama talking about social security. I mean, he's, he's doing yeah. all the greatest hits. I just don't know that, uh, I just don't know that that's works. Let's actually hear that one. <laughs> Not another one. Some of you here are on social security. Some of your parents are on social security. Some of your grandparents are on social security. You know why they have Social Security? Because they worked for it. They worked hard jobs for it. They have chapped hands for it. They had long hours and sore backs and bad knees to get that Social Security. And if Ron Johnson does not understand that, if he understands giving tax breaks for private planes more than he understands making sure that seniors who've worked all their lives are able to retire with dignity and respect. He's not the person who's thinking about you and knows you and sees you, and he should not be your senator from Wisconsin. This cuts close to home, Gibbs, for Murphy, because he's at times in his life had a private plane. So uh, I, uh, I well, we're even. You're on Social Security. <laughs> so we both have standing. Well, that's here. right. Yes. That's right. Exactly. So I'm passionate about the one and the, and you on the other. Yeah. No, you know, I'm, my head's exploding because I hate Ron Johnson. Uh, on, on the other hand, I don't have an I heart Trotsky tattoo. Uh, and so ideologically, well, socialist, socialism, well, you can't think social swallow. security is a reflection of Trotsky. No, no, I'm for social security. Of course. Like, like most Republicans hard, hard to find a lot of people. Although Mike Lee has also said he wants to pull it up by the roots in Utah. Well, and Rick exist. Scott, who's running the yeah, yeah, yeah. Republican Look, I, Senate I, I, campaign. I get committee. all that. The, the question is, can Obama bending the mic change everything? No, no, no crowd. Um, but you know, it, it is a cutting issue. If every candidate on the Repub side had the kind of the kind of position on Social Security that Ron Johnson and Mike Lee have, uh, there'd be gold in them their hills for the Dems. Yeah. I will yeah. say, yeah, yeah. just listening to that clip, you you and I have watched a fair share of uh, Obama speeches for a long time. Um, have you ever heard him quite that animated? I mean, you hear the end of that clip, there's um there's real anger. I mean, I'm 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 you know, he looked like he was having a lot of fun. That that one was uh, that was more than just fired up, ready to go. Yeah. Well, there's some things that you don't necessarily want to joke about, but um, let, let's talk about the races themselves, and, and let's talk about the Senate because I mean, we'll talk about the House later. But we, I think, we're probably all in agreement that it's a matter of margin and not yeah uh, outcome there. But uh, and. I want to start with Pennsylvania because I I think if if Republicans can take Pennsylvania, I believe they're going to end up taking the yeah uh, taking Senate. the Senate. I mean Pennsylvania. We've talked about this before. Pennsylvania, Georgia, Nevada. The uh, whoever takes two of three, but you know Pennsylvania is Demo the Democratic Party's insurance policy against losing one of these other seats. And uh, because it's, it would be a pickup, Pat, uh, Pat Toomey's uh, retiring. Uh, you guys watched the debate last week or saw the clips? Yeah, yeah we did. And I think uh, I think they're, they just found out their insurance company is bankrupt. They didn't go AAA rated when they picked uh, Fetterman over uh, Connor Lamb in the primary. And look, I, I kind of feel for Fetterman. It took balls to get up there with the disability he has right now. Uh, and, and, and work television like that. And Oz makes my skin crawl. 
But the hard yeah. politics of it is the the focus of the race turned to the shortcomings of Fetterman. You never want to close a race like that. Mm-hmm. So maybe he can pull it off, but but I'm I'm betting they're not going to collect on that policy now. The challenge that an Oz has, and I think he went into this race. And X, you and I talked about this. You know, if you looked at the CNN poll a week or so ago, right before the debate, you know, of the four candidates running for governor and senate in Pennsylvania, including Doug Mastriano, Mehmet Oz had the highest negative ratings of any of those four candidates, 55%. More people were concerned that Oz was too close to Trump than Fetterman was cl- too close to Biden. So I, I think th- this, it's a microcosm of just how close this race is. Because I think on one hand, you're going to have people wondering whether John Fetterman is up to right now being their U.S. senator versus somebody that that a majority of Pennsylvanians find distasteful and unfavorable and i think there's there's going to be a race a race to see who gets their problem solved first i think again it shows you just how close this and other races are it's a it's a genuine coin flip yeah well look i mean one of the questions about the debate is how much it changed anything because uh people are so uh uh tribalized and lined up behind uh, their candidate does it, you know, would with a sliver of undecided voters a be watching and b be affected. My reaction to the debate was, I thought Fetterman, uh, I thought it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, is shocking actually to watch some of the footage of it. Um, but on, but I also think he communicated a kind of ingenuousness and decency, and. Uh, you know, Oz has his own problem, which is he is seen as a snake oil salesman, uh, a carpetbagger, and kind of a jerk. And I'm not sure that he helped his problems in that debate, you know, including, by the way, going after Fetterman when he didn't need to and making snide remarks about Fetterman's uh, condition. So I think in some ways they each... Uh, may have exacerbated their own problems. But I'll tell you, obviously, the Republicans are betting on uh, Fetterman's uh, having done more damage to himself. Uh, let's listen to this ad that uh, uh, American Crossroads, I think that's Carl Rove's group, right? Yeah, he, that, he's yeah. been historically involved. I don't know if he's day-to-day this year or not. That was hard to watch. Voters, I think, saw things that will definitely change the state of this race. He struggled many times to complete sentences. I was definitely leaning towards Fetterman, and I think I have totally changed to the Oz side. But if people watch that, they're going to question his capacity to serve. He doesn't have a grasp on the issues. Unfortunately for Fetterman, I don't think he's up to it. I think he should be at home recovering and not running for United States Senate. I want well. Let's ask. I want to ask Murphy as an ad maker. What what's your f- feeling about that? It's third parties commenting. Yeah, I I tell you, I think it's pretty effective advertising. I remember. I think you guys do too. I used to spend a lot of time after candidate debates cutting an overnight radio ad, Voices on the Street. See the debate? Yeah, yeah, Blenderson's going to raise taxes. You know, I was undecided till I saw Bag of Donuts make that, you know. And so you want to amplify perceptions because debates are formed right after the debate, in addition yeah. to if it's got real viewership during the debate. So, you know, it's rough, but I think it's fair. And again, if you're Fetterman, even if you battle the thing to a draw, because Oz is essentially a zero with a Z after it, which would have been my <laughs> campaign slogan, the generic push is still there. You know, it's like you, you, even if you, yeah, this I mean, this is true draw, of all these races. Yeah, exactly. Isn't it? You, you, yeah. meanwhile, you got an 18 foot wall of water coming. So it's like, okay, I handled the leaky roof. Boy, that was some good carpentry and wham. So, but no, yeah. look, I think it's a tough world. Uh, it, it's not my idea of a building democracy kind of ad, but I think it was effective. I, I haven't seen the visuals. I've only seen the transcript and heard it. So I don't know if the people all look like convicts, but, uh, you know, you mentioned this, both of you mentioned this. I mean, I do think this is one of those debates based on what happened in it, where the viewership of the debate is dwarfed by the news coverage around it. Right. My guess is that it, you, lots of people in Pennsylvania did not see that debate, but have seen clips of that debate. And that's before anybody read, ran paid advertising around it. So I do think, well, I think we, we've discussed how the debates don't feel as relevant as they have in, in election cycles past. This is one of those examples where 
based on what happens in that debate, a lot more people have it forced in front of them as part of just genuine news. The Fetterman people are, are what he's out there quite a bit and he's doing interviews and he's doing rallies. And here's his Yeah, he answer. has a great line. Uh, this is a Yeah, good here line. it is. Yeah. Here it is. Let's let's play it. I'll be much better in January, but he will still be a fraud. <laughs> it's like the old Churchill line, sir, you're drunk. Well, in the morning, I'll be sober, lady, and you'll still be ugly. My bargain yeah, for right. all of you, my promise to every one of you, is to be that 51st vote, calling to eliminate the filibuster, to get all the good things done. Codify Roe v. Wade. The choice belongs only with women and their doctors. No many other local political leaders. David, that last point, I think, is an interesting one from Fetterman, and that's the mistake that that Oz made uh, during the debate, which is, you know, to to say that his position on Roe versus Wade was between a woman, a doctor, and local local politicians, and obviously that's what the what Fetterman and the Fetterman campaign jumped all over. So again, I think there's you know it, it shows you that even though a dominant part of the storyline was the performance of Fetterman vis-a-vis his stroke from earlier in the year, it, there's still plenty of of grist in the mill, if you will, for uh, for Oz having had a poor debate performance, particularly around an important issue like choice. I mean, I think it's interesting because Fetterman sounded reasonably okay in that clip. I mean, he sounded fine, and I think that. You know, that's their goal. But you're right, Mike. You don't want to be playing on their side of the field, on your side of the field uh, at this point in the campaign. You want to be uh, on offense. I just want to play you guys one more spot. I think it's also from the Crossroads people that are running in Philly because this actually is a key, I think, to the race. One is uh, black turnout in Philadelphia and, uh, and, and, and Fetterman getting his share of of that vote and it'll be interesting to see how much he gets versus uh, Shapiro the candidate for governor who's doing much better uh, against Mastriano but this goes back to an incident that came up in the primary uh 2013 uh Fetterman uh you know, uh, chased down. A, there was some some to do outside. He chased a guy down. Happened to be well, this is when he was mayor. So when he, he was mayor, he, of he was out doing his own super cop thing. And the first right. African American guy you saw, hey you, and it yeah, and he had a sh- and he had a shotgun. Yeah, uh, uh, with him. Worse. So anyway, here here's the spot that American Crossroads is running. Then Mayor Fetterman held up an unarmed black man. The man Fetterman confronted turns out to be an innocent jogger. The mayor of Braddock admits to pulling a shotgun after chasing a man. They may have broken the law during the course of it. What kind of person does that? It's really disturbing. It's racist. Fetterman's just unhinged. From pulling a gun on a black jogger to releasing murderers early, John Fetterman is reckless and wrong. American Crossroads is responsible for the content of this advertising. Boy, I was undecided, but I'm troubled now, David. <laughs> no, I mean, isn't that, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting thing. I've always thought this is sort of a mixed message. You're t- telling people this guy's not serious about crime. So this is, this is really a message that they want a select audience to hear and another audience probably not to. You know, they threw in the yeah, thing. There are the- counties in Pennsylvania where people were like, should have got a medal. Um, <laughs> On the other hand, if you can, with this thing, just screw up his clothes and get 4 to 8% of voters to skip his name as they start at the governor going down, it's a material help. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. It, right. It's just a thousand votes here or there may make a big difference. I thought it was interesting at the end of that ad, it almost sounds like something pointed at the suburbs and and not just pointed, at David, as you mentioned, at black voters. I'm, I'm a little bit more surprised at that. Maybe they're running radio in, in, in some of the other places that are just... The campaign has been uh, working this issue sure. uh, on uh, on cable and in digital to the black community uh, yep. for months. I mean, yep. this, is, this is part of their uh, campaign. I think what you saw, Gibbs, at the end there was a, a little thing that was thrown in there so that people who are sensitive to the crime issue... Did, yeah, exactly. You know, didn't uh, didn't drift because they thought, well, you know, he, he must be, 
serious about crime, but they've also run, they ran $30 million of crime spots in, in September, uh, you know, uh, about his, uh, Fetterman's uh, work as the head of the parole board. So uh, a point on the crime thing, because, you know, over at Republican headquarters, once in a while, because crime's always a good issue for us and our suburbanites, we have to kind of make some stuff up, make it a little worse. I think Fetterman put himself in jeopardy because he has authentically and from his point of view, um, effective, uh, pretty progressive policies on crime. So, you know, this time it's true. And it was just the wrong year to be that guy. But let, let me go to the wider question because we've talked Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. I'm curious what you guys think. There's a lot of talk and, and, and pearl clutching, and I've done plenty of it, and I think it's essentially true about Republican primary voters make a lot of bad nominating decisions. Clown shoes and wackadoodles and, you know, just look at the parade of heroes there. But in this election, I can argue Democratic primary voters did the cause no favor in both Wisconsin and Pennsylvania by picking candidates who make the base happy, but in a general election go in with real problems. I mean, Ron Johnson finally found the one candidate he may well be able to beat from his weak political position. And again, Connor Lamb, you know, stumbled in the primary, but in a general election, I think he would have been hell on wheels against odds. Am I wrong? Or is there symmetry to this primary voter problem? Well, there is. There is. I think, you know, what's interesting is how this primary season turns out, how this general election season turns out. One party or the other is going to have big recriminations, right? If yeah. the Republican Party loses, uh, does does not take control of the Senate in what should be a strong Republican year, a lot of fingers are going to be pointed about uh, to Donald Trump who, uh, you know, decided he was going to be casting director and he and recruited Oz and recruited uh, 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 Matt, Herschel you know, Walker, Herschel Walker endorsed yeah. Masters, endorsed Vance, all of Adam whom, Laxalt. all of whom, yeah, well, Laxalt, I think, is in a different category, but all of them, although Laxalt certainly glommed on to Trump, but, uh, you know, some of these people, these sort of neophytes who came to run because he thought, well, they're stars, they're on TV, they'll you know, they, they are not the strongest candidates they could run. If Democrats don't win the Senate, there'll be recriminations. There'll probably be that the usual internecine warfare between progressives and moderates over, uh, you know, was, uh, uh, was Fetterman the best candidate in Pennsylvania? Was Barnes the best candidate uh, in Wisconsin? So, uh, you know, th- there's, there's going to be there's going to be a lot of after action going on on one side or the other. Yeah, Murphy, I take your point, but I think if 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 you had better candidates in Arizona, Georgia, uh, and uh, and Pennsylvania right now, we, we wouldn't be talking about whether the Senate was a coin flip. We'd we'd the three of us would be on this podcast arguing whether it was going to be fifty two, fifty three, or fifty four. Oh, totally agree. Senate. Totally agree. I mean, my point is the symmetry of it. Both yeah. sides pulling the grenade pin in the primary on themselves. And I, I don't say this just because to play the role, but I do think it's even more acute on that Republican side. I mean, I think you know you heard this. You know, you heard this uh, Mitch McConnell say it many, many months ago, right, which is the Senate control was going to be really close and it depended on candidate quality. Probably when everyone, to your point, everyone thought he was talking about Republican candidates uh, that he might not have agreed with but had to invest in, uh, could have had a healthy dose, too, of Democratic candidates. And I think particularly in, in you know, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, those, to your point, X, those recriminations will be acute and they're probably worth having because I think um, – you know, you saw this in the 2020 presidential primary. You know, there was a, just a lot of stuff that was way out there, uh, and and even Democratic primary voters weren't weren't willing or able to swallow that. I mean, there's there's a reason why the Democratic Party in the last two elections hasn't nominated a Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, except in Wisconsin. All right, hold that thought. We're going to take a short break, and now a word from our sponsors. Gibbs, I don't want you to take this as a hint, okay? I mean, we've been friends for a long time, but if you want to avoid boring, basic, and bland gifts this year, hint, hint, Uncommon Goods is your secret weapon. You know why Uncommon Goods is here to make your holiday shopping stress-free? That'd be good, right? Definitely. 
scouring the globe for the most remarkable and truly unique gifts for everyone on your list. Whether you're shopping for your secret Santa or your entire family, Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want. I love the glass topper cocktail smoker for reasons that you probably can appreciate, but this appeals to my softer side, the solar-powered rainbow maker. You just hang the thing and the sun hits the crystals and it projects rainbows and man do we need those now when you shop at uncommon goods you're supporting artists and small independent businesses acts these fine products are often made in small batches so shop now before they sell out for this holiday season yeah uncommon goods looks for products that are high quality unique and often handmade or made in the u.s they have the most meaningful out of the ordinary gifts anywhere from art and jewelry to kitchen home and bar Ooh, bar. Uncommon Goods has something for everyone, not the same lackluster gifts you can find just anywhere. And with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash hacks. That's uncommongoods.com slash hacks for 15% off. And don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. So speaking of candidate quality excellence, you've got something on this. That's the world's greatest transition to Georgia. Yeah, <laughs> which I think is what Mitch was originally talking about. That said, you put a gun to my head. I predict that Herschel Walker is going to win that seat. And then Trump will start talking about him as a vice presidential uh, choice. Well, well, I wouldn't put a gun to your head, but Herschel might is the the issue there. <laughs> well, finally, we're cracked down on those damn Chinese clouds. I'll tell you that. No more guff from them. No, this thing, I think, look, I think the big question in, in Georgia is whether there's a, whether uh, you know, there's a runoff, and I think there there may well be uh, a runoff. I think but, so, yeah. But the notion that Herschel was going to fall away because of these stories about him paying for abortions and all of that, I mean, I think that has proven to be not so. And by the way, you know, I mean, I know the Times had some hopeful polls out there for Democrats <laughs> yesterday. It was therapy time, yeah, from the in the last week. You know, I think we guys just have to remind everybody that what you know don't 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 bet the ranch on one poll because all these polls have methodological differences and how they collect the data how they collect the yep. uh, you know really matters in in terms of uh, in marginal races who's ahead and who's not and uh, you know, if you average these polls together, uh, you see a very close race, and you may see a, a ultimately a slight edge here uh, for Walker because of the year, because of the year, and and also yeah, because I agree that's the tiebreaker know. everywhere. Let's yeah. leave aside that some of those New York Times polls were four and five days old, which I was a little surprised at. Uh, I, I don't know why they didn't run those on Friday or Saturday rather than running waiting to run them on Monday. Um, I will say the one thing that I'm fascinated about, in addition to the runoff question and whether the Libertarian is going to get enough votes to send it into into December overtime, I'm fascinated by something we won't know the answer until to until election night, which is early vote. The number of people that have cast their early votes in Georgia as of this morning when we're recording is up 34% over what it was in 2018. Now, I, I don't know, again, I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's everybody voting early. I don't know if that's a bunch of people that have never voted, voted voting early. You know, I'm, I'm, I understand, you know, in 2018, which was a good, obviously a good Democratic year for a midterm election, Brian Kemp still wins the governor's race. So I, I don't know what it means, but I think it, it means something that you're seeing what you're going to see is historic midterm turnout in in Georgia, which I think, again, who knows what it means? We'll know more the day after election. Yeah. Bet on a runoff and then bet on Walker because the runoff is a lower turnout thing, even though this will be the Super Bowl blood-soaked madhouse of nationally focused Particularly state races. Particularly Senate control. Yes, right. Won't it matter if Senate control is up if Fetterman Fetterman, Fetterman loses, loses and, and Catherine Cortez Masto wins in Nevada or vice versa, right? Well, it plays two ways. I think one, I don't think either of those things are going to happen. But saying they do, then we have the big national referendum 
of who controls the Senate in Georgia. I think the Republicans will already be a seat or two ahead and it'll be anticlimactic. But if that happens, there'll be massive amounts of money raised. All the people who want to be president will pour in to try. But it's the same electorate. You know, Georgia picks, even though 49 other states are going to watch, scream, and, and root. And generally, and I, I worked for Coverdale way back when, uh, in the runoff, you get a drop-off and turnout. Yep. And, and the Dems in every single race this year need that presidential young vote to show up, hopefully in large numbers, to catch up with the generic. So I think generically, the noise will be tremendous if it's in that scenario, X, but I don't know. I think the home field advantage will go to Herschel Walker, although you never know when he pulls out the badge and you know tries to arrest a mailman or something. <laughs> I mean, with Herschel, something can happen. Can't rule that out. Hopefully they took his badge away from him for the duration. But um, what, what about uh, what about Nevada? Because this is one that, I mean, I know that Republicans are very enthusiastic about Laxalt's chances. Adam Laxalt, former attorney general, uh, running famous political name out there. His grandfather was the uh, senator and a kind of godfather of the whole modern Republican Party out there. but. Uh, I just have a hard time picking through this one because Nevada's always mysterious. You know, Harry Reid was, uh, everybody thought he was going to lose in 2010 in a storm that was even greater than this one. Right. And, and he ended up pulling it out. Well, two things I think are going, three things are going on there. And then Gibbs, you can be the tiebreaker here. One, that's one of the most pro-choice states in the country, which should have helped her. And she's been in trouble from the beginning. She's had weak numbers, so it's not like a new thing. question is, can she dig out of the hole? The problem is they've got a state constitutional amendment there that says we're going to be pro-choice forever. So the issue doesn't have as much traction in that state, I don't think, and Laxalt's been pretty adroit about that. Second, the the highly unionized Clark County Latino vote there in the in the hospitality and culinary unions has been a democratic bulwark of the old Harry Reid machine. Uh, but he's not around anymore. And we do have a cultural shift to kitchen table issues happening in the Hispanic vote. Well, the Democrats are always out there running on identity. So we're C. But if those two things happen, plus all the tie breaking, you know, inflation, everything we've talked about, then uh, yeah, I think um, Laxalt, uh, and the name won't hurt him. It's a great Reagan name. Uh, it, it's kind of like Jerry, the great late Jerry Lee Lewis said about his cousin Jimmy Swaggart. My cousin Jimmy's a very big man in the Holy Ghost field. Well, the Laxalt name is a, a very big name in old school Republican conservative politics. It is. It is. This issue of the Latino vote to me is is absolutely the essential core. That's what I'm going to be looking at uh, in this race. Uh, you know, polling has uh, suggested that uh, Cortez Masto, who's the uh, the the first and only Latina right. in the U.S. Senate, is right. is is underperforming among Latino voters. Uh, there are folks out there in uh, Nevada who say, you know, they're underestimating her strength there. I think that's kind of g- going to be the key uh, to this election. So, um, and I don't know, you know, Nevada gives you remember Nevada is a very difficult place to poll because there's yeah. such transient population and so on. Yeah, I, I remember sitting there the night before the caucuses in 2008, and we all were having dinner, and nobody had any clue what was going to happen. Um, I think you both have touched on the two big things, right? Latino vote uh, is is going to be decisive, particularly for a, a senator that uh that shares that uh i I think that's going to be interesting to see i think the second thing is and you see this you saw this with all the harry reed races uh um murphy to your point which is what is the early vote in clark county what is the bank lead for democrats in clark county uh that then gets whittled down by all the rural votes that come in on election day and usually if you look at that early vote, you have a pretty good indication as to where this thing is going to land. And I think the kind of wall built up in Clark County is not what it has been in previous elections, which I think means um, means people are more concerned. Now, John Ralston's outfit, the Nevada Independent, had polling, I think, last night that had um, both Sisolak in the governor's race and uh, Cortez Masto in the Senate race up. So, I, you know, I think this one, again, you know, if you spend 10 minutes on the internet, you can probably find a poll that has Laxalt up 
three, Masto up three, and uh, and probably even all in the same uh, ten minutes. So I think you know, get out your quarter and call heads or tails. Uh, I'm I'm calling it for Laxalt simply because I'm old, and I remember in '82 a bad midterm for the Republicans after Reagan '80. A lot of races where oh we're we're up three, thank God, and then wham, they're gone. Uh, in 1980, Senate races, right? yeah, right. incumbent Denver, I, we right. got a five point lead, and then the wave comes, and they they're working on a concession speech that nobody wrote until midnight. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I think that's one of those. I'm just trying to get people to pay attention until next Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good, good plan on that. For all you wave surfers out there, the waves are not as high now because we're so, we're already so divided into our tribes that, you know, the, the movable parts are, are less. I'm not, listen, Murphy, you know, I'm agreeing with you that I think that the atmospherics, I've said this before, if you were a doctor and looked at the chart, you know, in economy, direction of the country, president's approval rating, uh, you'd say, this is big trouble for the incumbent party. Uh, But, um, you know, the question is, in individual states, you mentioned the culinary workers and the you know, democratic organization out there. Are there mitigating factors in close races? We don't know. I mean, I'm satisfied to wait and let to let you call the races, and then wait and see what voters do. And uh, <laughs> well, look, it's easier for me to call the races because you're going to catch more hell from the comrades than I am. But well, um, you've you've already been excommunicated from your party, so it doesn't I know, matter. I'm out in the wilderness here. It feels good. I can be honest. Okay, then let's take a break right here. And we'll be right back. This episode is supported by NOAA News Over Audio, which is an audio app offering narrated articles from some of the world's best publications, such as The Economist, Bloomberg, Foreign Affairs, and The New York Times. Axe, NOAA is an audio app where you can listen to articles that you don't have time to read. We're all busy and running around. Yeah, we are, yeah. Across topics such as the 2022 U.S. midterms, politics and world affairs, business and economics, science and technology. Look, you don't have time to read it, so let NOAA do it. Yeah, NOAA works with over 20 premium publications, including, as I mentioned, Foreign Affairs, Bloomberg, The Economist, but also the Harvard Business Review, MIT Technology Review, The Times, as I said, The Washington Post, and many, many more. There are over 25,000 professionally narrated articles available on NOAA with new articles added daily. And Gibbs, I, uh, as you say, we're all racing around. Sometimes you don't have time to sit down and open up an app and read. But if you can do it on the go, it really makes a difference. You can find Noah in the App Store and Play Store by searching NOA News. It only costs $7.99 per month, but listeners to this podcast can receive Axe 30 days free premium access. Yeah, it's a good deal. Visit newsoveraudio.com forward slash hacks to get 30 days off of Noah premium access for free. That's newsoveraudio.com forward slash hacks, and you get 30 days of NOAA premium access for free if you order now. Arizona, I think the assumption is, and I talked to some people I trust out there, political people who believe that Kelly will hang on because Masters is a uh, is a bad, bad candidate. Um, but the question is, is there, uh, does, you know, Carrie Lake, the election denying nominee of the uh, Republican party is a great performer. She stirred up a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, interest among the base does that the best zoom filter in the business by the way it's like you have to look I know. three coke bottles to see her on tv i know i know why can't we get that i i, I mean i would love to be transformed yeah, anyway no, I, she might be working with a little bit more clay than you guys are there's no doubt about that uh well we've got more clay but hers is better arranged let's say that we, we, we've got plenty of clay. We, we're three guys with faces made for radio, so good thing it's a <laughs> And podcast. here we are, yes. But, I mean, the point, you know, the question is, is there, I know that, you know, some resources are being shot in there. Obama's going down there, and that, that clearly is at the direction or the request of the DSCC um, and, the, and the DNC in the White House. So what gives in Arizona? 
You know, I hope Kelly wins. I'm a donor. I didn't like the, anyway, the long story, but I know the Kelly people are quite worried. You know, they think it's a one point race. And again, in the national environment, that can be bad. They've run a great campaign and yeah, they have, they've run as good a campaign as you can run. Yeah, I don't think they should have any regrets. It might be out of their hands. So I that one, this is one I think uh it feels like it's on a knife edge to me, but uh uh I'm I'm less confident that Masters will win than I feel like I do think Carrie Lake is gonna win, and so now we got a lady Trump. Uh mm-hmm. and she's gonna be trouble on many levels for for that 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 little gal we call democracy. So I'm I'm bummed about her. But Katie Hobbs has been a terrible candidate, another Democratic suicide mission. That's where I was yeah. going to go. I, I I don't think it was a Democratic suicide mission when it started, but I think the way they've conducted that campaign, uh, I think has really, I, I think that's why this race in the Senate is much, much closer. Uh, I think there's, I think she, Katie Hobbs has dragged the Kelly campaign down. And to your point, uh, Murphy, I, I think each side sees this as a margin of error race right now when you know, Democrats, I think, had gotten somewhat complacent, maybe the wrong word, but had been used to seeing Kelly up for ever and ever, up eight points, seven points, ten points. And and now the race is a coin flip. And look, if you're a Republican Party, you're shoveling money into any place that you think uh, might pan, you know, you might find gold. And, and it's happening in a lot of different places around the country. And, you know, to your point earlier, Murphy, um, one of the things that that you tend to see in, in a lot of these races is they all go in one direction late, right? Yeah. So if you're picking Oz, if you're picking Laxalt, um, you know, it, you you may be looking at some place where, um, you know, you, this this wave or this tide, whatever you want to call it, lifts Republicans all enough that they all kind of lean in one direction. That's what would scare me most if I was a Democrat right now, that the yeah. not only the atmospheric's bad, but the momentum doesn't feel good either. You are a Democrat, Gibbs. I mean, if I was like in the campaign headquarters of the DSC. Oh, I see. Well, but let's grab Robert's point and run with it to long shots a little. Do, do exactly. we think a Tim Ryan might be the lightning bolt? Or do we think Patty Murray, who I think is in some trouble, this is the kind of year if it's big and everything folds late that even somebody like that or Michael Bennett, you know, admittedly ahead in the polls right now, but it's been tightening. And in this dynamic, you can have one of those what the hell happened surprises. Yeah, Bennett's always had close races too. That is an all male race, isn't it? Though I mean, and uh, you know, I yeah, bet so you, you beat I don't the know clock what, a little, right? I don't know what percentage of the vote is in already, but I bet you it's a lot. Uh, yeah. So these sort of late trends are not not as uh, impactful on on that particular race. You're talking about West Washington, right? Just to be Washington, clear, yeah. yep. Yes, the, the 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 no, I'm talking about Colorado. They're uh, both big vote they're by both, mail states. So yeah, Washington's an original pioneer yeah. in it but yes. the theory is dear listeners that when you get in trouble late and half the votes already in because you're a vote by mail state you buy a little insurance you don't yeah. have as much at stake in the last 10 days of the race on in terms of ohio you know we've said it a million times ryan's run as again as good a campaign as you can run but he's running yeah. s- steeply uphill in a state that's a plus eight a uh, Republican state. DeWine, the governor, is running away with the governor's race. Um, you know, I, I I would love nothing better than to see Tim Ryan win that race because I think it would be instructive to other Democrats that, it, you know, you can't, it, you, your best chance to win is to, um, is to appeal to people in the middle of the, in the middle of the country, in the middle of the economy and, and not write them off. Uh, but, uh, but I, you know, I, <laughs> I think he's. Um, it, it would be a hell of a thing in a normal year for him to win. Yeah, it's not, and it's not that it's not a good good time for him to doing it. But I mean, hats off to him. He's run a hell of a race, and I do think win or lose, people should take a look at his messaging because it's been effective. Totally, it'll be a model going forward. And in and to your point, Axon, in a plus eight Trump state, if if he gets anywhere close. Uh, or, or or under eight in a world in which oh and he will and the environment has moved so decidedly towards Republicans, uh, I, I think you know Democrats are going to be forced to look at and should look at that as a way to conduct a campaign to be to be 
to have a strong economic platform and to talk to voters uh, where they are and and not look at it and just say, okay, these are my voters and I can only talk to them. He's done a, a magnificent job of going to a lot of places Democrats don't go to. Right, he shows speaking, up. And speaking to voters that otherwise, um, you know, some group or pollsters are saying, oh, you're not going to get any of those. And I, I, it's been heroic. I think Cherry Beasley in North Carolina's run a pretty good race. Again, I think yes. it's a tough state in a, in a year in which the atmospherics aren't good. I don't see, I don't, you know, it'd be interesting to see Murphy, to your point, whether some of these races, you know, are, is, is there a big surprise on election night that, that, that takes a place like Georgia's overtime out of the contention for, you know, being what Senate control is decided on? We ought to move on real quick to, um, Utah, the, the, the center oh, of the yes, nation. I, oh, I forgot about Utah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I promised Murphy another 60 seconds here, uh, a six-second ad on this. This is the most – no, come on. We had to listen to 17 Obama clips. Yeah, uh, so let, you let get me, your, you get your 60 seconds. Here. No, it's a fascinating race. I've never seen anything like it. Evan McMullen is polling Repubs, Dems, and Independents. A lot of Repubs. The question is, will he break 30% of Republican voters? If he does, he wins. Uh, I know he got ahead slightly from both our polling and the way the Lee people reacted, which was to go freak out and drop about $4 million on his head from third-party groups. I mean, it's been more spending than Utah's ever seen. People are walking around with zombie stares. So the question is, will that be enough in this environment to put it away in the end? We've got a one-point poll from the weekend, but this thing – it needs a big turnout for him because uh, he has he does so much better with younger voters who are the shakier equation. But anyway, uh, win or lose, he's he's running an incredible race, and this mm-hmm. one's going to be fascinating to watch because you just don't see these hybrid candidacies. The Murkowski a little bit in Alaska, but she's the incumbent who was able to create it, and it, it it's really been U- Utah's such an interesting state totally. because it, you know the 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 Mormon influence is such that you know, Trump was never he did well there he was never you know, beloved there. No, he underperformed, no doubt. You know, Mitt Romney, obviously, is the other senator. He stayed out of this Senate race, which apparently irritates Lee no end. But I think it's a statement. And it reflects the, th- you know, the state itself. I think th- there's there's lack of enthusiasm for the sort of, uh, for, for, for Trumpism and... Yeah, I mean, Lee, Lee had a, two primary opponents, but one major one. And, you know, they polled, uh, oh, over 36% of the vote together. So, yeah. you know, he's got a third of the R's that have had it with him. And he's got all the local state problems. He doesn't come through on the Salt Lake and stuff like that. And, you know, January 6th, right. he now says he was undercover conducting his own, like, investigation to clean the whole thing up. But he was he was right there on, in the texts that have been released prove it. So we'll see. It'll be an amazing thing. You predicted a bunch of these other races. You, you're going, you're walking out on the limb on this one? Well, he said 30% of the Republicans, if he gets 30% of the 30, Republicans, 30, 31, that's, that's going to be it. And I, I get the they are I'm hammering, to hammering, hammering, <laughs> hammering. You know, I'll be honest. I, the very fact that I don't know, you know, it says a lot because Utah is scarlet red. I mean, this is, this coalition is like anything, yeah. uh, unlike anything I've ever seen in politics before. And I've been at this a long time. So I think he has a real good shot. And that in itself is kind of a miracle. But we'll see. Let's talk about the House uh, for a uh, for a few minutes here. Well, Jeff, do we have a sound of a bomb dropping with the long whistle and then a muffled explosion? All right, we're going to have to edit that out. That's a submarine dot. Anyway, we'll work on that. Go ahead, Brother Axelrod. <laughs> he did the best he could on short yeah, notice. Somebody right. yelling iceberg. We're going to we're going to get out the sound effects library and figure that no, out. No, listen, I mean the fact that Democrats are uh struggling uh in places like New York and Oregon and Rhode Island is 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 right. is telling. And uh you know, Republicans only need four seats. But here's a question I have for you guys. I I meant to uh to put this uh, higher up in the discussion, um, you know, the last few days, the lead of the national news is the attack on Paul Pelosi. Uh, does that have any impact at all? Does it cause people to say these people are too extreme? And and does the fact that Republicans have been sort of mixed in their response rather than saying what is obviously it ought to? But I think we're so tribal now that the loud jerk wing will be doing things like 
Trump's knucklehead son did with the underwear and the hammer, which was so disgusting. It was, uh, yeah. I think a lot of rank-and-file Republicans will be troubled by it, but it won't change tribal voting behavior. Democrats will be incensed. And it is a huge, I mean, epic failure of character that the leadership in the Republican Party did not immediately speak out on this. And it's just heartbreaking to those of us who want a conservative party that's morally worth a damn. And post-attack, it's really been a microcosm of exactly where our politics are right now, right? Which is, yeah. to your point, Murphy, it's it's Republicans haven't haven't been as vociferous. Uh, some have even, you know, continued on. You know, Carrie Lake got laughter yesterday talking about the attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, Don Jr., you know, even yeah, somebody, Virginia, even somebody like Glenn Young, down vest guy. Yeah. Youngkin. yeah Glenn, yeah. Glenn Youngkin is sort of, you know, very clumsy in all this, but plus, you know, then add to it just the massive amounts of disinformation that have been, that have been, you know, pushed through the, the internet pipes uh, over the last week about whether or not this, did this really happen? Did right, the government right, right. do this? I mean, this, this, again, everything that our politics right now is suffering from, suffering from extremism that's going to cause violence and massive amounts of disinformation, it, you know, it's, it, it, which leads me to believe that it's not going to change much because we're, we're, we're already in that cycle. Yeah, that's the question for us, Hacks, is, is you know, does in the final days, does this color the thinking of those suburban swing voters? I don't uh, think so. All right. Okay. Yeah. To your larger point in the House, I mean, I do think one of the things that I think we've all seen and picked up on is you've got Republicans that are moving money uh, and and support into places that Biden won by eight points, 10 points, 12 points. I mean, they're, they're essentially... They're feeling so confident. They're looking to to our earlier suggestion there to expand the map, right? To find a few of these places that, um, uh, that that otherwise might not go for a Republican, but will this year because again that rising tide, that wave, whatever you want to call it, and and I think that's put you know Democrats have had to move money away from some open races and things like that and go protect incumbents, which is not a. Um, uh, it, it, that's not a good sign for Democrats. Yeah, uh, totally. Yeah, before we run, and we're and I apologize uh, that we will not be able to get to questions this week because there's just too much to talk about leading into the uh, election. But uh, we talked about the uh, we talked about the race in uh, Arizona and Kerry Lake, the gubernatorial, uh, what, yeah, gubernatorial races. So on gubernatorial races. Uh, what else are you watching? I mean, I'm looking at Michigan. Big yeah, time. Michigan's interesting on two levels. My home state, so when I've done a bunch of governor races, they're watching it like a hawk. Will I, I, There's one theory that the wave will get Tudor Dixon close enough to not be what I think Gretchen Whitmer is hoping for, which is uh, a impressive win because I think she is one of the more interesting, unknown, but big future candidates in a potential future Democratic presidential primary if Joe Biden doesn't run. So she would love to rack up a six-pointer or something like that rather than a three-pointer. Either way, I think she's going to win, and uh, you're going to hear more from her. Well, and you've got a big ballot initiative there uh, on on abortion that will be interesting to watch and see whether, uh, you know, that is uh, is a big difference maker, particularly – uh, Murphy, as I know you know well, Oakland County and and some of those suburban Detroit places, even suburbs around Lansing now that that might in a in a year like this might have um, uh, voters voting Republican that might pull some people out to vote yeah. for for Whitmer. I think that is true. I, I watched the and this is under the category of get a life, but I watched the Republican uh, gubernatorial debate there <laughs> as as well. The second uh, debate there, and I'll tell you something. Tudor Dixon is hitting this. Uh, it, it was so th- this education issue really hard. You know the the schools have been, you know the whole uh, fallout from the pandemic, and you know, schools have been taken away from parents. Parent, you know all that. That is core to her campaign. And you talk to Republicans there; they think that that is scoring uh, with people. They had an interesting exchange in that debate about book banning, and uh, Tudor Dixon made her case, and and they had just talked about guns and uh, in and sc- schools, and uh, Whitmer turned to her and said. You think that books are more dangerous to kids than guns, which I thought was a pretty good rebuke. But nonetheless, uh, that's the that's the ship that she's on that she thinks will take her to uh, 
50. And I, I must say that the whole one of the after action things that we should do that both parties will do is this, this education issue is really below the surface percolating in a, in a way and has been for a couple of years. That's how Youngkin won in Virginia. A lot of the reason Youngkin won in Virginia, she's trying to replicate that in Michigan. Yeah, as well as the COVID anger and yeah, right, it, it was it, huge. It, 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 the question is, will it fade going forward because it was propelled by the COVID shutdowns, or will it right. will it continue? But anyway, old old Tudor Dixon, who I wish had read more books before she started wanting to ban them, uh, she could in the way that thing could be a little closer than people expect. But we'll we're, we're be watching that. Tudor Dixon a couple of years ago on her show said that Democrats were trying to use the uh, pandemic to re-enslave people because they're still bitter about having lost the Civil War. So history books would be a good thing for her to uh, read when she has time after the election if she doesn't if she doesn't make it. But that was a kind of yeah, I think wacky part of the Kyrie Irving book club is probably not a good place. <laughs> not, <to be laughs> not, 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 so not one, good. one last race I'll just give, cause we're not going to be back to after the election. We'll probably be delayed a couple of days. Right. Cause we, we don't want to be out next Tuesday on election day. We won't have anything to talk about other than Gibbs's constantly poor fashion choices. So we're, we're probably do Wednesday or Thursday. We'll let you know on Twitter. Um, but keep an eye on New Hampshire one. That is a great microcosm. You got Chris Pappas. It's a total swing district and vital political landscape. His primary opponent beat the kind of regular Republican medium Trumpy. She's a mad woman, uh, hardcore, would love to be the next Marjorie Taylor Greene. So in that district that ought to go R in a year like this, does a really crazy Republican candidate stop it in a region um, where there is still some of that kind of old school uh, McCain, Bob Dole kind of Republicans. Keep an eye on election night on, on New Hampshire yeah. one. Interesting yeah. microcosm and a very powerful electorate we're going to be hearing a lot from in 2024. Even the New Hampshire Senate race, while I, I think Hassan is is the clear favorite, I think it'll Could be interesting. Be yeah. It'll be interesting to watch and I think listeners will get a sense of kind of where we're headed um, by watching a place like New Hampshire to come in is is that race is that race a four point race or is that an eight point race? Because it'll tell you a little bit about where we're headed. Yeah. I mean, it's not unlike we're headed straight to hell, Gibbs. Well, <laughs> it's all around us. Well, uh, you know, I, I'll tell you what I'll be watching as a canary in the coal mine. Uh, Rhode Island two, yeah, an, an open seat which should be a Democratic seat. It's an overwhelmingly Democratic district, and yet Alan Fung, who's the mayor of Cranston, Republican, is ahead of Seth Magaziner. The treasurer of the state and a very well-known name in uh, in polling. So if Republicans win that seat, that's a bad sign for Democrats yeah. for the for the rest of the night. But to our point, too, for listeners, I mean, those are seats that are going to close early in the eastern time zone. Again, you'll get a sense well before we get through. Pennsylvania is going to count late. Arizona is going to count really late. Uh, a lot of these places you're not going to know about for a couple of days, but you could get a real sense of how big is this? Is this going to be a ripple? Is this going to be a wave? Is this going to be, are we going to be on, uh, on, on Murphy's asteroid? What are we going to do here? And by the way, just to close this out, two names we are not talking about who both were at least had some heat in democratic circles, Beto O'Rourke and Stacey Abrams. Right. How the world can change. Yeah. They're, uh, they're, they are not, uh, Toast. They're not looking strong. They, you know, Gibbs mentioned the turnout in in Georgia. That's what the Abrams people are pinning their hopes on. But Kemp is uh, running strong, and it's going to be tough. Gonna I bet that tough. race is closer than people think, though. Yeah, it will be. I think it will be. I'm uh, not sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on a horse called Kemp. There, a, a very adroit politician is Donald Trump. Learned the hard. Way. I think Kemp's going to win, but I think that race is going to be. I think we're going to look back and think, oh, well, that wasn't. Well, maybe part of our recap will be yeah, our no guesses. And unless they're really embarrassing, then we scorch the tape and play some more Obama. <laughs> he says, uh, well, I've got plenty of clips left. So uh, yeah, Murphy is uh, playing on a loop. Yes. Murphy uh, says that with a smug look on his face. So he's feeling pretty confident and maybe with some Well, reason. I don't know what I'm, you know, the truth is I don't want a Republican house. Yeah. You know, I want right of center without like crazy fascism. So I got nothing. You know, uh, uh, half of me loves watching Democrats squirm, squirm. 
because you know i was in in the lifetime business a long time no it's fun you know how campaigns are it's like look at them wiggle on the other hand my side's gone crazy and and a lot of it's gone evil so it's hard to root and uh i'm in california where my vote doesn't count so well you're safe here with us yeah. Uh, so, hey, listen, our race is done right now, uh, but uh, we'll be back, as as Mike said, uh, after the election to digest these results. And if there is a Republican House and, uh, and or a Republican Senate, uh, we'll analyze what the hell that means for for Biden, for Trump, for the for the, the common wheel. We're going to let you voters, rather than reading questions today, we're going to let you have your say at the ballot box. And I hope you all use it. Vote, vote, vote. And and after the election, we will reveal, David will, who I voted for nine times in Cook County. Because even I don't know that yet. But we're yes. going to have all the answers for you after the election with the three of us returning. I feel confident that your candidate's going to win. <laughs> yeah. And if you're, if you're a listener, uh, ignore the polls. If you're involved in a campaign, work hard and ignore all that, too. As Murphy always says, pretend like you're one point down and go to work. Absolutely. All right, guys. All right, Brother Hacks. This was yeah, fun. Let's watch be the, a great, the great wheel of democracy is in full spin here. So, Oh, God help us. We'll see you guys after, after the election. And probably the election will be going on for days beyond that so right uh, then we get to come back for the georgia runoff it's never gonna end yeah and that's why there is hacks on tap see you guys later bye 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 Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today.